0: The readings that we have this week are exceedingly difficult. Um, any one of them to try to sort through it is kind of a pick-your-poison exercise. So I've chosen the Gospel reading, the Luke reading. A friend of mine wrote a very excellent sermon for the uh, the First Timothy reading, so if you are having questions about that one or you're struggling over it, let me know and I'll pass that along to you. It's a short read, four pages, and I think you'll come away feeling good about it. But for us this morning, we're going to talk through this, this Gospel reading, Luke chapter 16. And if you'll indulge me for a moment, uh, this passage is a perfect, perfect, I can't say it, it's a really good example (laughs) of why we need to be careful with how we use God's Word, and especially with the the interpretations that we make from it. Sometimes we we read a passage, right, we make some interpretations, we say, well, this is what it's about, or this is what it's it's meaning, Uh, and, and it sounds really good, but it doesn't always hold up and this is an especially difficult parable to interpret, I came across one possibility recently that sounded really good. But it doesn't hold up. So if you will, again, indulge me. What are you going to do? Get up and walk away? Uh, I guess you could. But if you'll indulge me for a moment, I want to help us learn something about how to use God's Word. I'm going to take us in the wrong direction for a little bit, and then back out again. So here's The interpretation that sounds really good doesn't quite work out. Here's what the person said, talking about this parable that Jesus just just told. He says, the manager is wasting the the master's resources. We see that, right? One day, a, a, a report came that he was wasting his employer's money. But then he says, well, the word for waste is also translated sometimes as scatter. And scattering is different from wasting because scattering is purposeful scattering is intentional. Jesus then he says this he says Jesus moves on to reference unrighteous wealth. And so actually what the manager is doing is is redistrib- redistributing, purposely moving around the manager's ill-gotten wealth. He says well this must be be ill-gotten wealth, unrighteous wealth. So the manager is is redistributing it for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the poor. So so it's really good. What the manager is doing it only looks dishonest it only looks bad to the ones who are making reports about him to the ones who who depend on exploitation to gain wealth so then Jesus is encouraging his followers to to redistribute wealth to be wealth redistributors. that sounds pretty good right redistribute bad wealth for the benefit of, of others Jesus is encouraging us to be redistributionists and that sounds good. It sounds kind of like a like a Jesus thing to help the poor and, and bring the rich down a little bit. But does the text, does the Scripture actually support that kind of an idea? <laughs> I have in my notes that we're supposed to look at three passages where this word gets used and I only wrote one of them. <laughs> so, this person, this interpreter is right. The word for waste does get translated many times as scatter. It's the same word, the one we see here for wasting. He's right. It does get used to mean scatter and scattering things. But if we look at how it gets used, we find something pretty interesting. We can look, for example, at the parable just above this one. Just above this one is the the parable in Luke chapter 15, the story of the the prodigal son. And it says the prodigal son receives half of his father's inheritance, then he goes and scatters it, wastes it, on uh, unfruitful living, on on wealth and extravagance and, and even, you know, prostitutes. Does that sound like purposeful or beneficial? No. We see also passages where this where this phrase gets used, I strike the, the shepherd and the, and the sheep are scattered. That's the same word. In other words, here's the point. The word that is translated, yeah, it's, it's translated as scattering. That's true. But the scattering is never purposeful. It's never beneficial. It's never good for anything. Instead, it's, it's always this sort of passive, haphazard uh, result of a negative force. So it doesn't hold up to say the master is the, the manager is doing a, a purposeful useful thing the second problem back to that Luke chapter 15 story about the prodigal son the one that come the one that Jesus tells right before he tells this story in that story the son scatters the father's resources and how does it end when he comes back what happens he's welcomed back with open arms isn't he Three sentences later then, Jesus says this, the manager scatters the master's resources and he gets fired. So then, is it good or is it bad? Is it forgivable or is it unforgivable? Is Jesus contradicting himself three sentences from what he just said? He creates this contradiction for us if we think about scattering. If it's good here and bad there, one gets loved and welcomed, the other gets fired. It doesn't make any sense. Finally then, last point to make about this. Jesus tells this story of a, a manager who's wasting resources as one of a string of stories. starts all the way back from the, the first part of chapter 15 and keeps going to this point. He's telling a string of stories about, we've read them over the past few weeks, about a shepherd going after a lost sheep, a woman who turns her house upside down looking for a lost coin, a wasteful, prideful son who gets welcomed back in with open arms and now finally he rounds it out with a, a, a story about a manager wasting the master's resources. This is a story that falls in a line of stories. And he tells all, this, all these stories Jesus does in response to a specific complaint. To a specific point that was made. Luke 15 verse 1, The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so if this is a story about about wealth redistribution, about uh, Robin Hood, right, taking from the rich and give to the poor, if that's the point of Jesus' story, if that's what he's encouraging us, does it really make sense in that occasion? Is it really a good reply to a criticism about welcoming and eating with sinners, it wouldn't make any sense to tell a story about moving money around in reply to welcoming and eating with sinners. So these are the things that we should look at when we're, remember back to earlier on the point of all this, the things that we should look at when we're trying to understand what is the the right interpretation, when we're trying to test the interpretation of of a Bible passage. Here's what we should look at, all the things we just talked through. Does the word usage, the translation of words, match up with other ways that it's used? Can we actually say that this is scattering instead of wasting, and that's good? Secondly, does the interpretation make sense of other parts of the story, or does it create these weird contradictions? Does it cause confusion? And then finally, does it, does it fit within the context? Does it make sense and match up with what's happening all around it? Is it a reasonable answer to the question that was asked? And when we look at this interpretation with those questions, the answer is is no, on all three of them. This is instead one person's idea of what should happen in our society, right? Maybe it's even a good idea, a valuable idea, a worthy idea. There might even be times when the Bible talks this way, but this isn't one of them. In general, the words of Jesus aren't ever that place, because in general, Jesus isn't spending his time on on social reforms or trying to make people behave differently. We spend a lot of time thinking and and talking and and worrying about that, and sometimes we do what this person did right and and try to make the words of Jesus say what we want them to say. But his focus is not as much about that, because Jesus has something else in mind. Jesus' focus is not on the actions of the son from 15 or the, the manager, but instead on the father and the master. One kind of rule of thumb, as you're especially thinking about the stories that Jesus is telling. Jesus came to show and tell a new relationship between God and his people. So the parables, the stories that he's telling, the focus is usually on the actions of the God character. The powerful one, the wealthy one, the one who's in charge of things, that one represents God in the story. And the focus usually is on that character and how that one reacts and responds to other ones. So to help us get more of a a coherent understanding, a a logical understanding of this parable, this story, let's do that. Let's focus not so much on what the manager is doing, but on what the master does. So the manager is scattering the resources. Remember, purposeless, haphazard, um, no benefit really at all. The manager is doing that thing, and and the master fires him. He says, you, you know, kind of, you're not cut out for this. You're gonna have to go back to being just a regular servant. You're not cut out for this role. Then the manager starts cutting everybody's debt in half. You owed 1,000, now it's, what was it, 800 and then 400. You owed 1,000, now it's 800. The manager gets fired. The master fires him for being not good at his job and then uh, for not using the resources effectively, right? And then the manager goes and starts slashing everybody's debts. Now what does the manager do, or the master rather? Now the, ma- now the master commends the manager for his shrewdness of oh, the rascal, <laughs> he had to admire him, he says he, he, he commended him for his shrewdness and the word there is related to this word shrewdness, it's related to wisdom and understanding. So the master starts radically slashing debts Big ones, small ones, all of them. He's slashing them. And the master says, now you're being wise. Now you're acting with understanding. In the slashing of debt, in the in the wiping away of debt, now you're finally using the resources well with wisdom and understanding. Now you're on the right track. The master is very much in favor of this debt slashing. Here's what it means. The master intends his wealth to be used for canceling the debt of others. Even... At a cost to him, right? It's going to cost him. So 400 gallons of oil and 200 bushels of wheat. The master intends to use, for his wealth to be used to cancel the debt of others, even at a great cost to him. He's willing, even eager. He thinks it's a really good idea, in fact, to bear that cost in order that others will have their debts wiped out. And then that helps us make sense of, of how the two stories fit together, Right? Because that kind of idea, that motivation, fits with the father in the other parable. So the son runs up a huge debt, huge debt, half of the father's property, half of everything he has. He squanders it away, wastes it purposely, purposelessly. When he comes back home, penniless, everything wasted, the debt is totally wiped out, right? As if it never happened. The, ma- the Father does not say you owe me half of my wealth back. He welcomes him with open arms, as if all that wasting, all that debt had never happened. And remember, so now we're working backwards to fit this interpretation back in. Remember, all of these, all of these stories that Jesus is telling, were in response to grumbling and whispers about how he, Jesus, could possibly welcome sinners into his presence, even share a meal with them. He says, how can he do this with these these dreadfully sinful people, these indebted people, right? So Jesus tells three stories about a father, a master, a head of the flock, that's God, all these are the God character, who acts radically, who insists on canceling debt. Tells three stories about a God who is a debt-canceling God. Do you have any debt? Don't answer this aloud, right? <laughs> um, but most of us do, right? Most of us carry with us some debt. Maybe it's a student loan from school. Maybe you're blessed to own a home, but now you have this mortgage that you need to pay. Maybe it's it's a car loan that you've got or medical bills. Or sometimes just the accumulated kind of daily expenses, the the debt that comes just trying to make ends meet. And you put a little here, you you, you know, uh, some on the card there. and We all have some of this debt, right? Many of us have some amount of debt, sometimes big, sometimes small, but we owe somebody something. And how does that feel? Horrible. Yeah, who said horrible? (laughs) Yeah. And it's horrible and it's it's weighty, right? It weighs on us and we think about it when we go to sleep and when we wake up and, and it's kind of always there with us. Sort of always like Ebenezer Scrooge with his chain. That's not the right one. Jacob Marley with his chains, right? Dragging it with us. Most of us have some amount of debt. But it's not financial debt that Jesus has in mind. Our God is a debt-canceling God, but it's not, fi- unfortunately, not financial debt that, that Jesus has in mind. <laughs> It's spiritual debt. Spiritual debt. and I don't don't have to tell you what I mean by that, because most of us feel that one too. Most of us carry that one around with us, and it's just as weighty, it's just as heavy. Especially this is probably true for you if if you've been away from the church for a while and and now you're back. Uh, Many of us are in that boat where you've been away and welcome back. You've been away and now you're back, and chances are good, though, that the reason you were away for so long is that it has something to do with this idea of spiritual debt, of having messed up, having wasted what God gave you or done something to wrong him, something or maybe many things that, 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 that we come to believe were, were simply unforgivable, were disqualifying, that you would never find a way out from underneath them. And some of us feel like we've piled this spiritual debt up further and further, faster than even the credit card kind accumulates, and that's so fast and that the bill's about to come due, right? We have this feeling, that's what, it, that's what the weightiness comes from. This idea that we have this spiritual debt piling up, we've wronged and wronged and wronged, and the bill is gonna come due. And you feel like the debt collector is beating at the door, right? Uh, breathing down your neck, pursuing you, and grabbing on. We know spiritual debts. We feel it. I feel it. There's a, there's a movement happening right now. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a movement happening right now, sort of uh, throughout the country, some parts of it, right, among, among very wealthy people, a movement to buy debt, M- medical debt mostly, buy it by the millions of dollars they do this, uh, maybe your $70,000 bill, you have a hundred. maybe you have $10,000, they buy up all this medical debt, and then cancel it. Imagine that for a minute. How would that feel to get that phone call, to get that phone call that says that the hospital won't be calling anymore, the collection agency won't be calling anymore, no more no more worry, no more stress, because someone you don't even know has canceled that debt. What would that feel like? Amazing. Somebody said freeing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? We'd be ready to sing with joy. No. There would be it would be there would be relief right it would be joy it would be hope a weight lifted imagine that for a moment imagine that and then know this that relief is your relief think back to your spiritual debt that thing that you drag along behind you that relief is your relief you stand before God debt free. You stand before God debt free, totally wiped clean, 100% forgiven. You are completely free of all of your spiritual debt. God bought it, just like these people. He bought it at a great price, at the cost of his son, right? He bought it, and on the cross, he paid it. He canceled it. It's gone. You are debt Free. All the debt, right? The mistakes, the failings, the bad decisions, everything that you carry with you, everything that you worry about, everything that made you hesitant to come here because of what might happen, you're free from it. You're free from it. That means also that if you're free from the debt, if you're free from the mistakes, if you're free from everything that piles up, it means also that you're free from the guilt. You're free from the shame. You're free from the pain. You're free from the feeling of being pursued. You're free from the weight around your neck. We sing these words, I am free, sing with me. I am free, free, and at peace with my God. For my eyes have seen the one who will pay for my freedom. There okay, we can go. <laughs> You've kept your promise to be a savior to a people in darkness. To be their light, and their salvation, and be their glory forever. I am free, free, and at peace with my God. Why? Because he bought your freedom. Free because God has wiped it all clean for you. That's why Jesus can welcome sinners. That's why he does welcome sinners. That's why he can even eat with them because they stand before God just like you do, without any debts, as if it never happened. And that's exactly why he can, and exactly why he does welcome you into his family, because you are debt-free, because he canceled your debt. That's why he welcomes you to eat with him around his table, because you too stand before God just like that son, welcomed with arms wide open, and just like the debtors to that master, with the slate wiped clean, with a fresh start, as if it never happened. His body and His blood to promise you. Each week as we gather here, He welcomes you to sit with Him. His body, His blood, to promise you that it's still true. That it's piling up, it's piling up, but He wiped it clean. And that's why we pray, forgive us our debts. Our trespasses, right? We say trespasses. Forgive us our debts, because He did, He does, He will. Your slate is wiped clean as if it never happened, and you are free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take a moment to reflect on that, if you would. What's Jesus asking you to believe or do differently in your life this week?